RJ, as we kick off this Emerald City Hockey postgame live, I, I I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. We've seen this team come back and win close games. We've seen this team last game struggle with a two-goal lead and ultimately lose it in overtime. And now we see this team, again, struggle with a two-goal lead and then just get burned by a horrible bounce and lose a game in a way that just seems to compound so many of the problems they're feeling they're dealing with this year, RJ. Yeah, I think that was well said. And it feels like they're just kind of filling out their their bingo card, right, of different ways to lose games. And this one, I, I think you really can't chalk it up, certainly not in the third period to any fault of their own. Uh, you look at the crack and I thought they came out and responded the way that they needed to in the third. I was happy with their response after looking bad at the end of the second. Mm -hmm. And then that bounce. I mean, I think we probably have to start with that, right? Just getting burned on that bounce. It's an unlucky bounce. You can never count on that kind of thing happening. I, I don't think Joey Decord was in the wrong going behind the net. It's a routine play. And just every now and then that play happens. You see videos of it. You see, you know, on the on the blooper reels, right? Of plays like that happening. It just comes up once every however many games in a hockey season. And it just burned the crack and at the worst time where they had very little time to respond. It was it was really rough down there in the swamp in Florida, RJ. And as they say, you know what Florida is full of, RJ, right? Of course, retirees. And what do retirees do? They play golf. And where else can we play golf, RJ? We're not quite retired yet. We've got a ways to go, a long ways to go if we'll ever be able to retire. Uh, but we can still enjoy some golf over at Flatstick Pub. Got to get the sponsor thing in there. I know it's another tough loss, everybody, but got to still show some love for Flatstick for showing us some love here on the post game and for supporting the community the way that they do. Um, yeah, it's just a, it's it's a tough one. I mean, you know, you see the stuff in here, right? Like you're a goaltender, you tend the goal. Right. I mean, this is we've talked about it. I've expressed a little bit of anxiousness when it comes to some of his advent misadventures or adventures away from the net. I'm with you, though. This one was just a horrible bounce. Right. You're not expecting maybe it to ride the, the glass as much as it does when you have to make that call as a goaltender to go ahead and get yourself out there. Uh, just a terrible bounce. I will say this. I mean, it's another example of a time where the puck kind of ends up going towards the Kraken zone and the Kraken just don't have a D-man back, right? That is something that seems to happen a lot with this team. This was another game, even in that really kind of dominant stretch during the first period where they can just, you know, there's a long stretch pass. And the next thing you know, Will Borgen's having to do a fantastic job of defending somebody from behind from getting a breakaway chance on Joey Decord. I still think that's something that they need to figure out how to shore up. The other just thing is RJ. And I mean, Aaron's saying it here. He said it in the discord. She needs to score some goals. I mean, yes, you got the two goal lead in this one, but two goals in today's NHL, not quite enough. Yeah, absolutely. That's the key. And and there are so many moments in this game where I thought the Kraken put on good pushes and at opportune times, like say the start of the third period. I mean, they came out with a ton of energy, just dictating the play, dominating the play in the offensive zone. At a certain point, you have to be able to finish. You have to be able to make the other team pay when you get on on stretches like that, because the Panthers, I mean, they sure can. You look at that 11 second stretch in the second period where the Kraken kind of started slipping a little bit. They take an undisciplined penalty and boom, the Panthers offense right on him erases that lead in 11 seconds. Uh, and the Kraken just don't seem to have that finishing power right now. 
No, they don't. DJ Singleton with the super chat. Appreciate it. DJ, positive news. Coachella plays in 10 minutes. So that is some positive news. You could That's go good and... timing. Yeah, it is, actually. I kind of like that uh, for, for the NHL, AHL. They should do that more often. They should have one lead into the other. It's, that would be I nice. like that. Um, yeah, no, the, you got to you got to be able to convert some of these chances. I mean, look, they're a lot of aspects of this game aren't so bad. You weren't that far behind them when it came to overall shot total, right? You win the face-off battle. You almost two to one block more shots than they do. Uh, you limited yourself to only one penalty. We'll get to the one penalty the Kraken did take, but uh, you limit yourself to only one penalty. And then over on the analytics side, I mean, look, you, you hung in there expected goals wise, pretty darn close considering, um, you know, you're the team that lost, but they were right there with the Panthers for a long time. You look at the the shot maps, the heat maps, RJ. I mean, both teams really right around the net, especially the Kraken. It felt like more so in this one than normal. Just a ton of chances net front in front of Bobrovsky, just unable to convert them. They just need to figure it out. And I will say this, RJ, you watch them with the net empty there at the end, and it feels just like the power play where there's just way too much going on on the outside. It's just all perimeter. Nobody's really breaking in. Nobody's setting pucks net front. There's nobody there. Even if they did, you just have what you got six guys on the ice. You got four of them all along the boards. I just don't know that that's maybe the best strategy when you need a goal late. Yeah. Hackstall talked about this. It's probably a couple weeks ago now where he just said there's too many pictures with five on the outside. I think I brought it up in a couple post games and maybe even on the podcast by this point. But just there's too many times where you've got all five guys along the outside of the ice. Nobody getting to those difficult areas of the ice and, and kind of battling for those net front spots. And you just need to see it more. There was one moment in the game where they were showing a replay and Edzo pointed out. He said, yeah, Justin Schultz probably doesn't want to take that point shot there because he sees nobody's in the lane, but he kind of just has to take it anyway because he was being you know forced off by the other player but those are the kind of opportunities yeah where if you have somebody in front that could be a dangerous chance and you look at the Tolvanen goal when you actually do have yeah. the chance to sneak someone down low by the net it works it's effective we look at goals just I can remember off the top of my head this season Yanni Gore down by the net on a shot that was going wide kind of tips it past um, you know whoever the goalie yep. was in that game um, you had uh, like Jaden Schwartz on the power play the power some play of those goals, goals yeah. they've set up those deflections that's where the Kraken have scored a lot of their goals this season. They just haven't been doing it very much. You've got to go to those areas. You've got to funnel pucks to those areas. And if the goalie can see shots in the NHL, probably going to stop it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you talk about the the other goal that for um, uh, Bobrovsky there, and you just couldn't see it at all, right? And the Kraken were able to score. Like, hey, there you go. Uh, Schultz with the Super Chat, thank you very much. What boost do we need? Scratch, call up, or trade? Is this a roster issue, RJ, or is it, again, just nobody's living up to the standards that they need to be living up to, right? The fact that you have six, $5 million plus players, you have three lines that are all driving offense. They're, they're generating it from an expected goals perspective. They're not allowing stuff going back the other way. Uh, and they're, but they're just, they're not finishing. Is that something that, that even can be fixed roster wise? Yeah, given what you have, I, I don't really think so. I don't think there's necessarily a, a boost you can do if the top nine forwards, and I think I said this on the podcast last week, you kind of live or not live or die by these top nine. If those guys can't figure it out, if they can't start finishing, nothing else you do is really going to help you. I don't think anything, any other opportunity you have on the players you have in the organization is going to help you turn these thing, this thing around without that. You just, you need that. You know, if I had to pick one, I guess I'd go with a call up and, and maybe you give Riker Evans a shot, but you look at the things that he provides. 
I, I don't think that's the problem. Riker Evans isn't going to go net front and tip pucks net no. front. That's not his job. He's not going to do that. Um, you know, he's he's not going to be a little bit more solid defensively than some of these other guys and prevent those breakdowns. He's not going to do that. I just I don't know what else you really go for. I've already made it clear. I don't think you should call up Shane Wright just for his own development. You know, maybe he could help a little bit, but not a good idea. And then it is a little early for a trade. But at a certain point, I don't know, maybe Ron Francis is looking at this thinking maybe these guys, you know, need a little bit of a jump. Yeah, they might need a shakeup too, like right, like a wake up call if you do send somebody out of town. I don't know. Uh, Jessica with the super chat as well, like the stream, free hockey therapy. Thank you very much, Jessica. Really appreciate that. And then another one here from DJ Singletone. I will always continue to say the Kraken need a power forward, just somebody that can uh, be a, win a wall battle in front of the net. I mean, it is true. They don't really have somebody like that. Burakovsky was as close to a power forward as this team kind of had. And obviously he's out uh, for many more weeks still. It would help, right? You look at Matthew Kachuk, RJ. I know he doesn't necessarily seem at a hundred percent still, still recovering from that Stanley cup run last year. He picks up his first goal in this one, but you do look at what somebody like that, that style of play, that going to the net, just winning battles, grinding on the opposing team's blue line, what that can do for you. Yeah, it, it can make a big difference, and the Kraken just don't have anyone that fits that mold. I, honestly, I think the two guys that maybe play the most power forward style at times are both 5'10 and shorter. You got Jaden Schwartz, who will do those sorts of things, but he just doesn't have the body to physically impose that presence. And then Kyler Yamamoto occasionally will do that. Didn't do it much tonight, I thought, but still, sometimes he will. But, you know, at, at five foot eight, you know, what do you want him to do? At 150 something pounds, what do you want him to do? Um, you know, I think maybe you need to just get like, the age accelerator Ray or something and, and, you know, aim it at Yanni Newman. Cause like, I think he might be the solution there eventually, but he's just not ready yet. No, he's not. Uh, but thank you everybody for the super chats, Nicole. That was a winnable game. Coop second loss in a row after a two goal lead. Terrible. I mean, look, it's called the most dangerous lead in hockey, RJ, right? Two goal leads. They are hard to defend. It is. That is a thing. That being said, you drop two of them in back-to-back -back games that's approaching some bad territory. Yeah, it's indicative of a larger problem, I think. And then also you look back at the you know Detroit game too, where they weren't exactly the best at, at holding a lead either. And, you know, you, it kind of highlights some problems there. Um, yeah, I think especially in this one, it really felt like the response goal problem just came right back to where it was in year one, right? Mm -hmm. 11 seconds after the first goal, you just have to make sure you're not in your D zone and not allowing a dangerous shot yep. from the point like that basically the same type of play and i don't know i i think it also starts with discipline right because i really do think the alexiak yeah. penalty just yeah, starts that whole chain of events it does but it's the one penalty they take all game so it's not like a, a huge problem is that you're taking a whole bunch of undisciplined penalties but just the, the situational awareness there i don't know it's it's small things but those add up in a big way in games mm -hmm. like this no, they really do. Thank you for the super chat, Sean. Uh, if you have a comment, feel free to add one and I'll go ahead and I'll read it um, there for you. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, look, you look at the Detroit game. You have a lead in that game, uh, a two-goal lead in that game, actually. They had three straight three uh, two-goal leads that they've blown. Granted, you end up winning that game in overtime, but that is true. And what was the killer in that Detroit game? It was the fact that you took penalties. You get into the box. You get into power, you know, PK trouble. Detroit goes out there. They've got a hot power play. They get chances. They score goals. You get the same thing going on in this game. I mean, it is just something where, 
I'm I'm with you, right? It feels weird to be like talking discipline in a game where you only took one penalty. That's almost standard, right? At some point, somebody's going to do something that just causes a penalty. Um, but it's it's really really rough right now, and it's kind of crazy, RJ, that this team that was so known for their PK. I mean, their PK was perfect to start this year. It was what five games I think before they finally allowed a power play goal against. And now it's just they can't they can't come up with a stop at all. I know. And these things have a way of rebounding, I guess. It was interesting looking at the stats when they show them up on the broadcast, right, on that ticker at the top when the power play starts. And I saw, you know, Kraken power play was like, what, 11th in the NHL or something? It was really high when yeah. the power play we thought you know was terrible. And the PK was lower than, than the power play and lower than I expected to see it. So I guess that stuff does have a weird way of, of kind of evening out. But yeah, the PK isn't isn't what it once was. Yep. Uh, from Sean here to go with that super chat again. Thank you, Sean. Uh, I think you guys being here for us this year is going to be very important. I'm not seeing anything remotely close to easy solutions for this team. Not this season anyway. Uh, yeah, I could back that up. Uh, we've been trying to talk solutions. And boy, it seems like the problem keeps shifting, RJ, as, as we or I'm sure the Kraken coaching staff try to go to plug one hole. It seems like something pops up somewhere else. Uh, I know there's still, you know, tons of talk about Joey in, in the comments here and whether or not he should have left the crease going on in that. Let's just start at the beginning, RJ. The fact that Joey started this game. Now, we didn't think that was going to happen after the last game. Both you and I said we thought it would be Grubauer. It feels like that was the general consensus. I guess I get why Haxtell goes back to Joey. He sets a franchise record and saves. You think, okay, maybe that helps earn you a start. The team is picking up points at least. That is something right now, given the state of the team, they need. So you kind of, again, ride that hot hand. Uh, he, he he performed okay in this one, RJ, right? I mean, three goals against and 38 shots isn't awful. That's not bad by most standards. Uh, Got to see Gru next game though, right? Like there's just no yeah, way. Yeah, 100%. And, and also for, you know, Joey staying in the net and everything. One thing, I just watch for Grubauer the next game, assuming he starts the next game, watch how many plays on the dump-ins, on the rim-arounds like that, that the Lightning will make, where he'll go behind the net and do the same thing Joey did and try and stop that puck behind the net. Same thing, watch whoever the Lightning's goalie is for that game. They'll do that a lot. It is a routine play. And you know what, Dylan? I actually like the decision. I put this out on Twitter before the game. I like the decision from Haxtell to start Joey in this game. And it addresses one of my big worries before the season, which was that they're going to burn Grubauer out. They're not going to trust Joey Decord to play the you know 30 or so games that he really needs to play in order to keep Philip Grubauer fresh. And this tells me Haxtell absolutely does trust him enough to put him in enough games so that Grubauer is really fresh down the stretch. And you know, if we're not panicking about maybe losing a playoff spot or not making the playoffs, if the Kraken are like, you know, solidly in a wild card spot right now, I'm I'm praising this decision so much just because this is great. You want Grubauer healthy down the stretch later in the season. Mm -hmm. So you get these games early for Joey Decord and especially when he's playing well. I think we can all, you know, agree at least he's not playing bad. He's doing okay. And if not for that weird bounce, he picks up at least another point, I think, in this game tonight. Yeah. Um so he's earning you points. He's playing well enough. Get him into those games now so that maybe down the stretch approaching the playoffs, you can put Grubauer into the, a few extra games, really get him into that rhythm, and you don't have to worry about burning him out. So I like that decision, even though the result wasn't there. Yeah, I know. I, I understand where you're coming from. And again, 921 save percentage tonight from Joey. 
I, you take that, right? Like every game, if you said, hey, your goalie's going to get a 921 save percentage, you're, you're probably like, yeah, okay, cool, good. Yeah, you like take that, that all season. That's solid, yeah, that's well above average. You're, you're taking it. Um, Hunter, so are we starting the trend where we're good every other year now? It feels like every game, RJ, Hunter, rest of commenters, it feels like it every day a little bit more and more as much as I don't want that to be the case. <laughs> I know last season they went with what every other month being good. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want the like every other year thing. I, I can't handle that. Well, from every other year to maybe every other period, RJ, as Daniel's pointing out, how did we go from being so good in the second period last year to being so bad in the second period this year? That is something that has been a problem for the Kraken this year. We've talked about it. I mean, how many games have we talked about, RJ? One of us is bringing up the fact that, hey, look, you had this hot start in the first period. Everything's going your way. And then you get like destroyed from a shot volume standpoint in the second period. And the team just looks lifeless. You get those dead spots over on Money Puck it's just what is it is do you think it's it's more of a like an energy and motivation thing or is do you think it's just other teams are making adjustments and the kraken are being a little slow to adjust back i think it's probably the latter and i think about last year at times and certainly in year one where the kraken just did not start on time for a lot of games. And I think you saw that a lot last year, but we said, just get to the first intermission, right? You can make adjustments, you can get better. And the Kraken did that a lot of the time. They had that first intermission, they made adjustments, they came out really strong in the second, to the point where you kind of knew if they got really outplayed in the first, but they didn't allow too many goals, okay, we're coming out in the second period, you know, we're going to get two or three and we're going to really put it on them because now yeah. now you've the opponent, now you've lost, right? Because now we can make adjustments. I think the Kraken are seeing the flip side of that where they're starting really strong. So why would you want to really adjust anything? Just keep mm-hmm. doing what you're doing. The opposing coach is going and doing what the Kraken had done to them last season. Yeah, got to got to get uh, Bill Belichick like RJ. You got to make adjustments before the other teams made adjustments. Always try to stay one step ahead. Can't ever get, get Dave com- Haxtell a hoodie. Yes, can't ever get complacent, you know, uh, just like with these two goal leads. Uh, there we go. Um, both uh, Lindsay and B talking about the hockey gods hating us. Uh, B talking about the, the shots ringing off the post for the crack and Lindsay about the bad bounce. There, it certainly was one of those days when it rains uh, it pours too i mean there, really there's that does. stuff and then you also at the bounces against you it's just all yeah. at once it really does joey two six and two is in our face if we don't improve fast and we never beat the lightning yes you need to find a way to beat tampa bay for the first time now rj uh i mean there was another one up here uh where was it when do we stop hearing the it's early baloney from sean i i think it's kind of now right? It's the end of October. You've had enough time to, okay, you can start slow. You need to get going. Now is the time where it is kind of put up or shut up. Yeah. I mean, you had a road trip, you had a homestand, you have another road trip. I think now it's kind of time by the end of this road trip, you can stop with the it's early talk. Yes. Uh, Bryce on board too. really need that first Tampa win. Now um, let's see. Yes. The therapy time. Indeed. Hunter fire up the Calabrini tape. Dylan. I don't want to. No. Um, 
Also, again, not not like the last year with Bedard, by the way. He's not going to come in and, and change fortunes for a franchise entirely. So just throwing that out there, everybody. Um, honestly, what do you gain by stopping? Uh, this is from Coop. I mean, again, talking about the Joey thing, because there's going to be a lot of that. Uh, what do you gain from stopping the rim around? At worst, you give up an uncontrolled zone entry. At worst, an empty net. They don't seem like equal prospects to me. Again, to your point earlier, I mean, that is what goaltenders do. You do stop that. You gain possession. You try to get your team a line change or to break out of the zone. Or There's many reasons why they do it, and, and that's why they all um, do do it. Go for it. Yeah, and the numbers there, too. It's it's not just, okay, giving up an uncontrolled zone entry versus giving up an empty net. It's over the course of a season giving up, you know, maybe two, three hundred. You know, I, I don't know what the actual numbers are, but uncontrolled zone entries versus giving up one empty net eventually. That's kind of more the calculation. Yeah. Um, RJ, Jake's got your uh, favorite uh, saying here, ripping defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. James, no, Bedir's nowhere to be found on the point sheet. Uh, and Michael, Matty Bedir's is a serious problem this year. Zero points again tonight and minus two. What's going on with him? Hunter, Bedir's has been an issue too. I mean, everybody all at the same time, really, <laughs> just having this Joey, Matty, no goals, crazy. And then I saw somewhere else, uh, Sean Beniers has been bad. And then there was another one too from somebody about uh, he's really not, you know, playing his way into uh, that next contract, RJ. So let's talk Beniers because uh, everybody is. Let's talk Beniers yep. here real quick. Um, what is going on with Matty Beniers? Because I've been defending him so far this season, right? I point to the game a couple games ago. He has a couple apples in that one, plays well. I still think he's helping generate chances. The line he's on is generating offense or at least, you know, winning the offensive, the, the generating of offense battle, whatever you want to call it, expected goals percentage, that's it. Um, they're winning it massively, right? Like eight out of 10 times, the Kraken are the team doing the attacking, not the defending. You, again, you can't ask for more than that. Is, is it just luck at this point? I think it's partially luck. I, I do think also he's lacked a few of those game-breaking plays that we saw last season. And I just went back myself and looked at some of the plays that Matty Beneers made last season. I went on our our Twitter and just kind of searched Beneers and videos that I had posted. And I, I'm just, I'm not seeing a few of those, some of those like game-breaking plays that he had last season, whether it was a shot that just finds its way past a goalie, whether it's taking the puck away at his own end and just bringing it all the way up the ice to lead a rush the other way. Things like that, I'm not seeing. I'm seeing a lot of really good play when he's already in the offensive zone, cycling the puck, making good passes, generating pressure there. But there's just that little bit of being dynamic that I think is just missing from his game right now. And you know what? That happens. We saw it happen last season too. As good of a year as he had, he had that like 10, 11 game stretch, right? Where he didn't score any goals and where he wasn't getting on the score sheet. And Dave Haxtell talked about, it. he said, you know, he's doing all the right things. Uh, he's being really good defensively. He's doing everything we want. The points will come for him. And I, I do want to believe that about Matty Beneers, but you know what? Right now, it's costing them close games. And you don't want to put that pressure on the shoulders of, you know, of a 20-year-old, right? Because mm -hmm. he's still a young player in the NHL. But he kind of is being relied upon right now to be a star player. And we know he's shown flashes of it, but he's just not a star player right now. And for better or worse, that is affecting the team. Right. I will I will say this. I mean, there's, there's two ways to, to look at this. 
go back to me talking about him before the Kraken exists, before the Kraken have drafted him, right? I never thought he was really going to be a point-per-game guy. You go back to the first year after the Kraken draft him. Again, I was skeptical about him being a point-per-game player just because he is so responsible defensively. He's such a good two-way player. Not to say he's a bad player because he's not a point-per-game player, but I'm just saying this to kind of emphasize again, point production has never been his calling card. That isn't who Maddie is at the end of the day. And so to expect him to be the one C and that franchise superstar that they have to rely upon for goals, for points, for generating offense from that stat sheet perspective, it is maybe asking a little bit too much of him, given that's never been who he is. And, and so, again, I'm not I'm not trying to push back on people. I'm just saying that it might be an uncomfortable reality around Matty Beniers. Not again, not that he's a bad player. You can be a 60 to 70 point player who's fantastic and defends well and shows up in the postseason and you can lead a team to Stanley Cup victories with that postseason play. But if if when the Kraken are in a situation like this and you are looking for offense, I don't know that he was ever going to be the guy to come in and deliver this. And that's when you then start looking at the broader picture scope of everything. And you go, well, Wenberg isn't really that kind of guy either. Yanni isn't really that kind of guy either. And oh, yeah, neither is Shane Wright. None of these guys are guys that have ever really been projected to be point per game players. They've never been guys that you would say hey, that's going to be like, you know, our Jack Hughes, that's going to be the guy going out there and scoring 100 points. And so I, I do wonder if that is something that the Kraken are going to have to figure out and address, whether it's through a trade this year, next year in the offseason via free agency, kind of wherever it is that they're going to address it. You just don't really have that player. Jared McCann is the one guy you have, right? He's the one guy who we've seen put up points. We've seen him score goals. And he's the one guy in this game, right, with moves. The moves he makes for the first goal looks good. Moves he makes later to generate a chance look really good. Um, but it's it's kind of, you know, it's just an overall situation the Kraken find themselves in here. Parallel to that, RJ, one, maybe Matty Benier should focus less on face-offs because he started winning face-offs and the point production gone down. Look at Jack Hughes. He's winning 20% of face-offs, but he's scoring. He's getting more assists than, you know, to a game. Uh, maybe Matty Beniers needs to lay off on the face-offs and go out there and just focus on point production. And two, do you think that it's also because everybody's mentioning Beniers is kind of falling away. Where is Beniers? Where's Wenberg? All of that stuff. Where's Yanni? We've gotten that in a couple of post games. Do you think that the Kraken have just kind of shifted things philosophically, schematically, where they are telling their centers to focus more on two-way play and trying to have that offensive production come from the wings instead? I don't know that they're making that big a change too, because you look at last season and, and Wenberg was really focused on two-way play and kind of just distributing the puck. And he did produce somewhat offensively, but a lot of that was kind of driven by the wingers finishing. Yanni Gord is doing exactly what he does. I mean, we talked about it last post game and I saw so many plays where he was just breaking up a, a play, you know, on the, in the defensive zone, things like that, turning the puck around. I thought Yanni Gord had a pretty good game tonight. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think there's that big of a difference. Just the difference is you have Maddie Beneers 
who, I mean, okay, Alex Wenberg, who scored like 12 goals for you last year, he's got zero. Like, he's not scoring at all. Like, one goal yes. every now and again would help. And he's had chances, too. He had a really yes. good one in this game where he was kind of point blank and, and couldn't get the puck to settle for him. Uh, you know, you had him, who's just not producing at all. But you do have Matty Beneers, who scored 24 goals for you last year, and he's currently sitting at zero. And, you know, even one or two goes a long way, given how some of these games have gone. Um, you know, you just have guys who are, are, are producing less than what they did last season but in these close games it can add up yeah i know i got these two super chats i got to read but i think superfly just based on what i was talking about with beneers this is really relevant beneers is a 200 foot center in the mold of jonathan taze the problem is for the kraken they don't have anyone being their patrick kane I love that comparison. Yeah. You know, I was actually thinking about that as you were talking and was going to bring it up. Like you can win a Stanley cup with a center like that, you know, look yeah, at Chicago absolutely. and Taves that you, you read my mind on that one. That is a great comment. Superfly. Definitely. Now for the, the super chats here, again, sorry for taking so long to get to them. Uh, Jeremiah and Gary from Jeremiah sure would have been nice. Uh, and glad that the NHL and root sports to decide to keep Alaska in their blackout region at freaking criminal. Uh, that sucks. That is awful. Awful, awful stuff there, Jeremiah. Sorry about that. But excited to be talking to you in a couple days over on your channel, Sports Beard. Yeah, uh, really looking, looking forward, forward to, that. to that talk on Wednesday. We'll promote it out later, everybody. And then from Gary, despite Maddie not finding the score sheet, he has been making some great plays, needs to find the next gear, but he can do it. Uh, again, I mean, every game, RJ, there is a two-on-one with Maddie involved. Every single game. Watch it. You can check a box to it every game, everybody. I promise you. Um, they're just not ever converted. And that is a problem. <laughs> yeah. And, and at some point you feel like the, the dam's going to break, right? He's not going to yeah. finish the season with zero goals. You know, he's not even going to finish the season with, you know, 10 goals or less. He's going to score. The goals are going to come. Just history, statistics, everything says that's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Right. Um, so my, I'm just going to stick with this Maddie Benier stuff because it did get a lot of comments and it just while we're all still in this headspace, uh, Michael, if that's true, then you better not pay him anything around 8 million AAV. Can't pay a guy 8 million who can't generate points, period. Again, Hockey is just weird in the sense that you have two different games that are played every year. You have the regular season and you have playoffs. Guys like Beneers win championships, right? Uh, you look at uh, an Alexander Barkov and what he was able to do for the Panthers last year or uh, as kind of more of a two-way guy or really, you know, Yanni Gordon, how valuable he was to the Tampa Bay Lightning during those playoff runs. Jonathan Taves, Ajay Kopitar, right? Like, all of these are guys that win Stanley Cups. That is what you do to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, but they're not the, the top point getters every year, right? They're not Connor McDavid. And then on, you know, conversely, you look at Connor McDavid, doesn't have a Stanley Cup. You can't put up more points than Connor McDavid. You don't have a Stanley Cup. So I I get where you're coming from, Michael. I still think you need guys like Maddie. You still need those 200 foot centers, though, if you want to win, win, winning matters. Flip side, you got to get there, RJ. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I think that's just an area where you can add, like you look at this team next year and they've got enough cap space to bring in a, a star player, whoever they want. And that's someone who, if you have them around all 82 games, they can put you over the top. Yes. Uh, Alex, Maddie's a long-term top line center on a team with a superstar winger um, or a best in league second line center. Agreed. I mean, that's, that would be the ideal build around him. Ayers, so who pairs best with Beniers? Ty Cartier and Jordan Eberle. I mean, that line, like I said, two games ago, they were going into that game 80% driving the offense. Like, that's unreal. They were the seventh best line in the entire league. Uh, that's that's good, good stuff. 
uh, go for it. And if you need a jump, Jared McCann works there too. I mean, you can yeah, put your best you goal score there and, and it does work. Yes. Uh, and then from Sean, so maybe rather than getting rid of 115 points and adding very old players, maybe Francis should have brought in that kind of guy. There wasn't really that kind of guy totally available this past off season. Was, I mean, I don't think not was. really. I mean, not without a, a kind of a predestination like an Alex to bring it. You know, he, he yes. only wanted to go to Detroit. That wasn't really an option. And same thing a, a year prior. You know, no, there weren't really those guys available. Also, the Kraken didn't really have the cap space to do it. The flexibility comes when you Next drop year. the Wenberg contract, when you drop the Everly contract, when you drop the Drieger contract. I mean, that's a big one we don't really think of. But that mm -hmm. flexibility comes next year. It didn't exist this year. Yeah, and the cap will be jumping on top of it. So the Kraken have that opportunity this next upcoming offseason. I will also say, brought in old players. Belmar is really the only old guy. Like, you think Ty Cartier, right? That's He's taking roster spot. He's young. He's he's driving things. He's doing good with him. Uh, Yamamoto, again, younger guy. What he didn't. Dumoulin's like, the only other there. one. Yeah. I, I try not to think about him, RJ, okay? Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right, jumping back up there uh, in chat here. Um, Superfly, just seems like this team doesn't really have it, can't get the puck out of their own zone, and not able to get to the net slash middle of the ice to create more high-danger chances. Again, we talked about it. they got to just somehow find a way to get into the slot. Uh, it, you look at the few players that are having success right now, RJ, right? Jared McCann was, was going net front today. We talked about that. Tolvin and going net front. You look at last game, or, or maybe it was the game before. No, it was last game. Bjorkstrand, right? Cutting in to the slot, right? Beating guys that way. Um, you look at the success that they have. You look at Wenberg in this game, had that phenomenal pass up out of the corner, out into the slot. Was that to Bjorkstrand? It might've been to Bjorkstrand I think or, so. or, a or a defenseman. Um, but like, again, those were good setups. Those are the few times that we're getting those looks and those are the high danger chances from the Kraken. It is weird to me that they that they're not kind of preaching that more. They're not really making the guys do that. Like just you know, sell out. This is our offensive scheme. Right. And I mean, it's this kind of stuff that is working when they do it. I think it's just doing it consistently too. I mean, Hackstall's talked about in general, the importance of like putting 60 minutes together. And I think that, you know, specifically might be what it means. You do it occasionally, but you got to do it all 60 minutes. Definitely. Joey, this might be a long season, but still love this team. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Sean, guys, better hope my live game luck changes on Monday. They must beat Tampa Bay easy enough, right? Yeah, I mean, look, if they just do X, Y, and Z, they'll win the game. And that's uh, yeah. score, defend, and uh, don't allow goals. It's, it's that yeah. easy. Simple. That's all you got to do. And hey, you know what? They're due. They're due for a win against Tampa, right? That's true. I mean, look, Florida was due for a win against us and turn things around, go get the dub against the lightning. I would be all right with that. Um, let's see, uh, Jen, the boards are probably weird and warped from humidity and probably cursed. I say that as an ex Floridian, uh, I will say the puck was bouncing all over the place in this one, RJ, like it, it was bouncing weird. The Kraken did have some of those in front of Bobrovsky too. It was all over the place. That being said, I mean, we've seen stanchions just come into play. It just happens. It's yeah. So and 84 degrees, 67% humidity in Sunrise, Florida today. Glad I'm not there. Uh, Michael. Oh, that was the beginning of the veneer stuff. Um, 
Let's see. Sitting in my scarecrow costume on the way to a Halloween party, just depressed about losing this game from the comic binge. Way to paint a picture. I know it's not a great picture. You're probably not thrilled <laughs> with it, uh, but way to paint a picture. That is a heck of an image. I will say that. Um, and Ricky, let's say the Kraken. Okay, actually, the Kraken get they have a day off on Halloween because we've seen yeah. some really great hockey Halloween costumes, yeah. right? From hockey players. I mean, Jesse Puliarvi probably has already won the Halloween costume contest for this year. No point anyone else competing, but still um, we've seen it from other teams because they've been at home, but the Kraken mm -hmm. of course on this road trip can't really do that, but they should be able to come home in time for Halloween. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of the costumes from the guys. Yeah. Well, I can also say that um, a member of the ECH crew is going to have a pretty dope costume for the post game live on Monday after that Tampa Bay game. Hopefully it's to celebrate something, but um, yeah, a, 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 a furry member of our, of our, oh, okay. And not me. Don't clip that say, out of context, everybody. <laughs> I wasn't uh, going to go there, but <laughs> Ricky top two crack and center play 32 minutes a game. They've been a disaster this year. I mean, we kind of talked about it, but I do think that getting in that 38 minutes uh, number was important. So I went ahead and read it. Um, Let's see, James, the whole Maddie line, regardless of who is on the ice with him, Ebbs, Cartier, McCann are getting dominated by opposing first lines. Complete 360 from last year, demoralizing to the Kraken right now. Again, they're not. They're, they're like driving things at 80%. They're, they're crushing other lines, if anything. So um, I know it's it can be deceiving. And I will say, I forget what it is, but there's, what's the what's the saying, RJ, for like that psychological thing where, if something is inherently random, you tend to only notice the times and it sticks with you when the, it goes against you versus when it, it's in your favor. Right. This is something that's talked a lot about. Uh, like, I don't why I don't know why this is jumping into my head, but in competitive Pokemon uh, with critical hits, you, you tend to act like it's always happening against you uh, because those are the ones that stick with you. You tend to remember the bad stuff more than the good stuff. And I do feel like right now that's partly what's going on with the Kraken because like these bad bounces and, you know, the the one penalty you take happens to be that goal. And so it feels like it's so much worse right now. But again, over the long run, you know, you're going to benefit from just as many of these as you give up. Right. And Coop throwing out their confirmation bias. Yes. I think you. that's, that's, that's what we're looking for. Yeah. Thank you, Coop. Thank you very much. Um, also, sorry, just a little aside here. Shut up, Charles. <laughs> okay <laughs> i'll get there uh feels like every game we're saying that they need to get it together in the next one it just keeps not happening like what is it gonna take just hey they have to just keep going i mean there's there isn't an obvious fix that's been the like the moral of today's story unfortunately <laughs> yeah i mean this this team is built as this team is built and they're they're gonna do what they do and i i think maybe getting back at home against some easier teams like that, that might be the fix. It might be as simple as that. Yeah, I, I guess so. Which Christian, means it's another game down the line that we still have to do a whole nother one of these post games after potentially rough game. But you know, there there's 82 games to a season. Don't say that. Uh, Christian is Tolvin and not playing the same as last year. Why are there less one timers from him? Is the line just not able to set up like that? I mean, most of that was on the power play, the whole him scoring the one timers and getting all those goals. That being said, he isn't playing there on the power play, RJ. 
Yeah, they've moved away from that as far as their power play philosophy. I think they were looking for more varied looks there. The Tovi one-timer did get really predictable toward the end of last season. I know that's something you complained about, Dylan, is that they were kind of only doing that and you felt that that was a problem, but they've gone completely away from it this year. And it does take away a lot of his opportunities to score and get some quality shots off. And, um, you know, he, he scores in kind of a different way than we're used to him scoring today. He's had good hands, made a really good tip, but it's tough with shooters like that where they have a really good shot, but you have to be able to pick those spots. We've talked about the crack and missing the net high and wide a lot this season. Tolvanen, you know, he has been part of that. I'm probably trying to pick his spots, maybe gripping the stick a little bit too tight and just barely missing. Yeah, it's I mean, it, it happens to everybody. Unfortunately, it's happening to everybody on the Kraken all at the same time. Alex, I've said it approximately a thousand times. This team gets pushed around low in the zone a lot. I know we talked about RJ. Um, you know, there isn't really a roster fix. The one roster fix that we didn't mention that is kind of there would be maybe bringing up John Hayden and inserting him into the lineup and seeing if just the size, the toughness, all of that, you can kind of convert and at least get one or two lines playing a little bit more of a gritty style. Yeah, I I do want to see that still. I think you still should call up John Hayden, see what he can do. And and I like what Devin Shore has brought too. I've been pleasantly surprised by how he's played. I mean, that was a world-class play that he made on his goal last game, but it's just a different style of hockey that John Hayden plays. And when you're losing games, even something small like that kind of help get the guys into it, help fire them up, maybe help get them out of a funk like they were at the end of the second period in this game Mm -hmm. where you don't have to wait till intermission to let the coaching staff kind of get their, get their hands on everyone and talk to them. Maybe John Hayden goes out there and delivers a big hit and says, Hey guys, come on, let's go. And it gets the guys going a little bit sooner than that. Definitely. Rick, you need to sit a guy like the ducks did with Zegris. The problem is unlike with Zegris where maybe being an effort, problem with one guy for the Kraken they all kind of go like this in the energy department so I don't know like who you would single out really right I mean Um, for production wise it's Maddie Beneers and you absolutely don't want to do that you know that's a a terrible message to send to him I don't know who else you you really sit I well I mean according to chat I you would sit Maddie Beneers RJ that is what you would do don't do that (laughs) uh Coop RJ the media though we we have we want chaos (laughs) so we can report on it for clicks well easier for easy for you to say when you're not going into that room after Maddie's been benched for a game. That's true. Coop, I think the PK is too passive. I thought that even at the beginning, we got lucky against Vegas. The power kill mentality seems totally gone after the first three passes were totally packed in. I'm with you, Coop. I mean, I think I talked about that in the last one with the whiteboard, or maybe it was the game before, but the PK does need to be more aggressive. They need to get in passing lanes. They give up way too many passes between those top three guys for the opposing team's power plays. You're just giving pa- opposing teams power plays way too much movement, way too much puck movement. You can't do it. Um, yep. Let's see. Uh, see maybe Firebirds goal from uh, Max McCormick, Captain Max scoring and maybe making his case for a call up. I know Jen mentioned that it's you possible. Know, we were talking about who to call up. What moves can you make? And McCormick just scores a goal at the same time. Maybe it's a it sign. possible. Um, Michael, they may be in a wild card spot now, but they're going to be at the bottom quickly if they keep playing like this and keep struggling this bad offensively. Uh, Lindsay, hey, October's almost over. Maybe they'll stick with the alternating months being good and go on a heater in November can only hope so rj they have the potential the building blocks are there yes they, they do you know it, it wouldn't surprise me if by the end of november they, they'd kind of turn things around and then we'd know just you know brace ourselves for december yeah uh, but Alex, winter classic it all turns back around and you get a good january so 
There you go. Uh, Alex, the, uh, who would know this more than any of us in here, the Lightning have been pretty porous this year aside from the last game. Their D is not the same as it used to be. Yes, and that last game that he's referring to was against the Sharks. So, you know, you, you could Anyone be can bad them, defenses. Yeah, yeah and you, you wouldn't matter. Um, so, backhand sauce, how do you think the Tampa D will handle the speed of Kraken forwards? Potential advantage there. I mean, it sounds like it would be based on what Alex is talking about. And I think so in 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 uh, general there. Yeah, at a certain point, the Lightning are going to stop being the the big, bad Tampa Bay Lightning that we all knew. Maybe it's maybe it's early this season. Yep. Uh, Tampa on Monday is the pivot point for this season. Make history and beat the last team you've never beaten before or find yourself in a hole you might not be able to dig your way out of from Lindsay. I mean, that is basically what Hacksaw should be telling the group. Don't you think, RJ? Just kind of putting it on them in that blunt kind of assessment of, look, you've never beaten this team before. You have to now because the season's on the line and we're still in October. Yeah, I think, you know, there's no problem with putting that message out there. You know, gut check time, boys. Let's let's go earn it against a team we haven't beaten yet. And I, I think that could be a good motivating factor for the crack. And I remember on it was our mailbag that we did on the podcast a little while ago where we kind of pointed out a couple games that uh, I think a, a listener in Europe should watch or make sure to to follow, you know, at the early start of the season. And I, I did highlight that Tampa game that it was going to be, you know, a big test for the Kraken. And I didn't think they'd be in this situation when they got there, but I said it would be a good measuring stick game. And I think that still applies. Yep. John, it's that 30 to 50 minute range where we keep falling apart. It is. And here's maybe the benefit of this happening so early in the season, right? We've all, you know, I think you're dead on John, right? It is that 30 to 50 minute range. We talked about it earlier, RJ, the fact that this year in the second period, they're just getting outmaneuvered maybe um, uh, by other coaches when it comes to making those adjustments. If you're going to be bad at something like that, better to have it done in October so that you have the rest of the year to get good at it and fix those problems, right? Identify the key couple areas where you really need to improve, work on it. And then, yes, hopefully by the turn of the calendar, uh, the yearly calendar, that is, uh, you're you're set. I mean, ideally the monthly one, but definitely the yearly one. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and the Kraken still had a few things to sort out last season. We kind of remember how it turned out with the great playoff run and everything, but they had to completely overhaul their PK. Remember, it was yeah. doing so poorly. They had to completely change up systems. And I think that happened maybe around January or December, you know, not anywhere close to October. So it's a long season. There's still time to figure this stuff out, but you have to be showing improvement kind of day to day. Yeah. Um, oh, shoot it just jumped on me uh i don't know about this one i get i get where coop's coming from maybe your your gm hat would like this one rj i said it before i'll take one bad year from maddie if it means seven years of him at a cheaper number and more money to roster build elsewhere you know I, with my gm hat on i love it you know i think yeah. that's actually great you, you take a down year right now sign him to a long-term deal and just reap the rewards as as this year was probably uncharacteristically bad um so yeah absolutely as a, as a gm you know, I, I love it, but uh, I, I don't like having to go through this now to get there. And I don't think, you know, that'll be the case all season. Yeah. Here, uh, just right now, Ron, Ron France would be like, hey, Maddie, let's let's get this thing done right now. We believe in you. I know the numbers aren't there. We believe in you. Eight years, nine mil, just don't go for it, right? Yeah. Um, Lindsay, at least we have Jared McCann. We could have taken Alex Kerfoot in the expansion draft. Zero points in seven games. Oh, my. Is he even still on the, the Maple Leafs roster? They're giving him I minutes. never <laughs> understood what the deal with him was. Never got it. Oh, man. 
All right. Let's see. Uh, do you think maybe Maddie trying to put on muscle in the off season is part of the problem? His body not moving the same as he's used to and trying to adjust to his heavier weight from Lindsay. I mean, that has been a struggle for certain players in the past. Maybe it is usually though, then it comes at the expense of endurance or speed more so than anything. Um, really, you know, the idea of him putting on that muscle was so that he wouldn't get pushed around in the offensive zone so that he could be more physical. He could go net front more. So if anything, we haven't really seen him try to put that muscle to use <laughs> in a lot of ways. And it's not, you know, hurting his speed. Cause like I said, every game he's part of a two on one. Yeah, and also I think the thing with Meniere's weight too is he's not a whole lot heavier than he was last season, at least the start of last season. One notable thing is that he actually kind of lost weight over the course of last season just because of the you know having the, the full season in the NHL, the the way your metabolism works and you're maybe not eating quite enough to keep up with that. And so he did lose weight last season. And as far as I remember from kind of talking to him around training camp and everything, he had basically gained back the weight that he had lost over the course of last season. So he's not playing in a significantly higher weight than he's used to. Yes. Uh, I do like this. It was added in on the, all that Maddie talk. No one complains about Bergeron. That's the mold. Again, true. Not a point producer. That wasn't his thing. Um, Alex, but Bergeron has zero points this year. <laughs> Extra not a point producer. Look at that. Definitely. And then Coop pointing out, you just need a pasta, which, you know, it's true, right? Yeah, uh, that is how that is how the the you do it backhand sauce from long-term view of veneers as a point per game guy in the future is unrealistic it's even more so uh unrealistic to expect right to be that guy two-way centers are going to be a staple for this franchise again and it makes sense that ron francis would build in that mold given that's what he was and he had a lot of success being that and he understands that you know you do um and you need a yaramir yager yes again yes as michael <laughs> saying then the kraken desperately need a high scoring winger it, it's becoming more and more clear to me that, yeah, the, the whole offseason plan, RJ, just needs to be you offer Willie Nylander whatever he wants, right? Like, that's just kind of it. Pretty much. <laughs> there we go. We've already got the plan, everybody. We can just focus on the season now. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, all right. Let's see. I uh, need to force feed Fergus to get him to the NHL weight or drop a bag on Nylander. Yeah, that is the other option. Either that or you somehow manage to stick 20 pounds on Jagger Fergus and he plays the save without it affecting him at all. That can happen. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the Matty weight, maybe affecting a little bit how he's played Jagger Fergus. I don't know. Instantly gaining 20 pounds of muscle that that might throw off his shot a little bit. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, let's see. A lightly used Timo Meyer would be great. <laughs> oh, man. I'd Jared be on McC board. Yeah. Buy low. Uh, Jared McCann said the ice was bad in his first intermission interview. Um, Jen saying it probably was. It's Florida. Alex saying ice is always rough in Florida and Tampa. Definitely is. the Everything is, is that way. Um, Although you think that should help you hold a lead. Well, if you know to play with it, right? Like that's the I guess thing. so, yeah. They're yeah. more used to it, yeah. Oh, and then on top of it, you can go around in hockey circles and talk to people or just look up interviews and stuff. Uh Florida back in the day used to just also extra flood that ice. They don't do it anymore. Oh, yeah. This is like in the nineties. Uh, but yeah, they would just turn it into like slushy to defend leads if they had one. Just tell the Zamboni guy to dump extra water out there. That's you know, NHL history. Let's go. Sarah, the Bruins Barbie costumes at the hospital were so funny. I thought that was great. Each of them dressing up as a different Barbie. Like that was perfect. Perfect. 
Yeah. Awesome. Way, way to do that on like the whole team, the coordination that takes a lot, making sure no one has the same outfit is perfect. Yes. Absurdly saying how much of what we're feeling right now is, is from some perhaps unrealistic, ex unrealistic expectations from how unexpectedly well last year went. I mean, look, we didn't think they would be a wild card team last year, RJ. They were a wild card team. I don't know. I, I think, I think, I think the expectations weren't that unrealistic, right? To expect them to be a wild card team again, just given the fact that you look at the roster and on paper, you can point to eight players at forward that could be 20 goal scorers. Like that's not bad. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, it was, we were basically saying they'll, they'll do more or less how they did last season. You know, maybe if anything, a tiny little step back. Um, but because some of those things that we kind of saw regressing, like the, the shooting percentage, which certainly has those have regressed, but you'd make up for it in other areas. I think there's, you know, we were kind of in that, I think, reasonable area between they're going to take another step forward. They're going to be real contenders and they're going to drop seven of their first nine games. You know, that, that somewhere in the middle there, I think, was where the expectations were. This is a little bit below them. Yes, I would, I would agree with that. But good question. Absurdly sane. Um, Superfly, do you think do you guys think that Francis might have to make tough decisions at the trade deadline if the team keeps going this way? I mean, not just the UFAs, but even maybe a guy like Gord, if the offer is right. You know, he he's going to have to make some tough decisions, potentially. I think if they're in the maybe, let's say, 10th in the West. That's when he's going to have to start making tough decisions, because if it looks unrealistic, you maybe want to sell off with guys, you know, like Everly with a contract expiring, even Wenberg, who I think at the trade deadline, if you retain half, would have some value there for contending teams. Certainly, um, you're going to have to make some tough decisions there. And I know Ron Francis tends to lean on the side of selling off at the deadline, certainly judging by his time in Carolina. He just he did that kind of over and over again where they would sell at the deadline. But this year with the Kraken in this situation, I've got to imagine he's feeling pressure, uh, even from above with ownership mm -hmm. too. Keep in mind the Kraken season ticket plans. They were three, five, and seven years, and you've got a lot of people on three-year plans whose contracts are up this year, and they're going to be thinking, okay, do I renew or not? And it's, it's you know, last season was good, but overall it's been a rough time as a season ticket holder. And so I think they've got every incentive to maybe try and compete this year and not have a disappointing end to it. So I think he might be kind of hesitant to sell unless it's really clear they're out of it. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I mean, it's a it is a very interesting question, Superfly, and I do kind of want to dig into it. But also October 28th feels early. <laughs> yeah, it, it's early to be thinking about the deadline. A lot of hockey left to play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, Sean saying good question. Definitely. Um, and yeah, I, I totally see where everyone's coming from. Um, Coop, I would ask you all in games like this where we can score more than one, but not a ton and give up a few, but not a ton. What do you guys see as our team identity? What should our prototypical wins look like? Are we a great defensive team winning one, nothing or two, nothing? Are we a high scoring team who outscores their defensive issues? Five, three. Um, what's it supposed to look like with this group? Uh, excellent question yeah first of it's all. a great question and much like with like what what do they need to be doing the team rj i mean maybe this is part of it and we bring bringing up ron francis's name a lot i don't know that this team is necessarily built for one or the other entirely 
It does feel somewhere in the middle, right? And and from the early indications this season, if you're trying to fix it right away and give the team an identity, I'd say maybe go toward the 2-1 win kind of route because it's clear mm-hmm. you do have good goaltending. The defense can be good enough. And guess what? The goals aren't coming right now. You're right. certainly not a team that's going to win 6-4, 6-5 like the Kraken did so much last season. That kind of was their identity for most of last season. Yeah. We're going to outscore our problems, but we can do it because every single player in this lineup could score a goal at any given moment. Um, but they just don't seem like that team this season. And maybe part of that's not having the fourth line, part of it's bad luck, whatever you want to call it. But I think at least for the time being, you should make that identity. We're going to win 2-1 games, we're going to win 3-2 games, and we're going to be really disciplined to do it that way. Would you agree with this idea, RJ, that if you were to ask Ron Francis, it would be to be a higher scoring team that maybe outscores problems based on the roster you put together? Whereas if you ask Dave Haxtall, as any coach ever uh, would say, I want to win a game one nothing, two to one, two nothing, uh, and I want to kind of shut things down. Yeah, I think there can be that disconnect between a GM and a coach a little bit, certainly given the way that Ron Francis has built the roster. And I don't think he'd say, you know, we want to outscore our problems. No yes, GM would ever tell you that. But but I think he might say that, you know, we want to have depth in our scoring. We want our depth to be our strength. And while they can continue to be built like this, because they can't really be built like this for too much longer, but while they can, depth can be their strength. And that includes depth scoring. And yes. that includes everyone being able to score. And right now, that just isn't the case. So, um, you know, I think Hackstall, as you mentioned, any coach is going to want to say defensively responsible, lunch pail hockey, let's go. Yeah. Um, but I do think there is a bit of a disconnect there. And it all hangs on the scoring. If the scoring's not there, it all falls apart. Yep. Uh, Bryce, good news for the Kraken is that Calgary and Edmonton are also needing to climb out of an early hole. It's very true. I mean, you look at the teams in front of the Kraken in the in the division, RJ. I mean, Vegas is Vegas. Nobody was really expecting the Kraken to be better than Vegas this year. Uh, L.A., kind of the same thing. You knew that they were going to be a deep team that was, again, further along in their whole development cycle. Vancouver is a surprise. I guess we'll see if they can keep it up. Anaheim's not going to stay there. I mean, I might be the only person who believes in Anaheim, including many people in Anaheim. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Kraken, the the runway is clear for the Kraken. Anytime they want to get hot, they're going to be in a gr- they're going to be in great shape, like fantastic yeah. shape. No, they've got a great start from the rest of the division. I mean, even you look at as bad as things have gone, dropping seven out of nine games. You're fifth in the eight team Pacific Division, yes. and two teams in front of you are Vancouver and Anaheim. Like yeah. that's, that's really doable. You, yeah. You take that. You take that for sure. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, I think this is just a pretty average team right now from Alex. I, yeah, I think so. Now average would be better than their results, right? That would be better than two, what two, five and two. So but you uh, look at their schedule and a lot of it is against playoff teams against above average teams. Sure. And so maybe you are seeing the result of that. Yeah, so uh, I think I think they can get there for sure. Now, um, oh, Kerfoot's in Arizona now. I, sure, so he's not even scoring. That says in it all. That's yeah. So it means everything. Superfly. Uh, but thank you for that. Uh, let's see. Um, well, RJ Yager's still playing. Maybe we have a shot at bringing him in from Superfly. There we go. He he's out there. Let's go get him. All Padno, right. right? Just yes. <laughs> go to Czechia and go grab him. Yep. Uh, another goal for the Firebirds. It looks like this time from Riker Evans. So love to see that. Um, quick, quick last call here uh, for everybody as we approach the hour mark here. Um, let's see. I'm really coming. 
I'm really coming around to the idea of a team building thing, spend a day doing something in private and having fun from Kalen. That could certainly help the guys, you know, after the road trip, I, I could see that, you know, helping. Yeah, I, I could too. And it's a, it's a close group. It's a tight knit group, but sometimes you need to just go out and relax, just relax with the guys, you know, don't, don't take that pressure too seriously. Don't, don't let it get you down. I think that could be a good idea. Yeah. Um, Kalen Ron Francis says he didn't want to mess up the chemistry last year at the deadline. Maybe one of the changes over the summer broke the chemistry. I, I mean, we, we saw an early season line shakeup, but you know, it, it kind of works even though the team and at least in. from the start of the season too. I mean, the top nine was basically unchanged Yeah, for, from what it was at the end of last season. And, and yeah, I mean, I don't think Brian Dumoulin just like broke the chemistry with the D, you know, you still have done no. Larson together. Um, still have you know, not a lot changed. together. Yeah. Still have Borg and Alexiak together. It changed one D pair. And then the fourth line was the only other thing that changed. So I, I don't know how much that could really be an issue. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay, based on the vibe slash number of personalized emails I'm getting from the ticket sales team, trying to talk me into a five-game package. They're definitely worried about future ticket sales if they keep struggling. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh, I I can't imagine they they call more than the Ducks. I just I Every day. <laughs> every day. I still Why? get their emails. I went to uh, one game. I still get their emails. Yes. Uh, I think step one has to be deciding on that identity slash prototypical win uh, or win con and then work towards it. Doesn't feel like we have a ton of direction right now besides play better from Coop. And I agree with that. I do think that that's um, that is something there. Uh, Jake, maybe Geeky took the Marty Mario Kart with him. Maybe that might be it. That might be it. I mean, there, there's nobody to really kind of challenge Maddie there for the Mario Kart crown, right? Maybe that's throwing him off. It's been too easy in Mario Kart and it's yep. too hard on the ice. And like, what do you, what do you even do? Yep. He needs to be pressured and thinking about Mario Kart to play hockey. It's yeah. not maybe Halloween Mario hard. Kart tournament. That's the, uh, you know, with they're all in their costumes, there, just playing yep. Mario Kart. That's the, uh, the team building event. Yep. Uh, Lonnie, things to be optimistic about. We have decent goaltending and we've been scoring first. That is true. You can't, you know, th this team, I know they've, they've blown two goal leads for three straight games, but they had two goal leads to blow. And that's not something that you could have said year one. That's true. Yeah. It's a very big difference from year one. And you know what? Those are good building blocks too. Decent goaltending will get you very far. It'll keep you in a lot of games. It'll get you points. And it's something the Kraken really in their history have not been able to, to say very often uh, is that they've had really good goaltending and the goaltending you can't even argue is really the weakness. Yeah. And you've got the fact that, you know, look, the, the, the PK was a problem for you. They've progressively gotten better at, at um, being disciplined, right? You only took one penalty today. I know yeah. it hurt you, but you did only take one. I do want to just like, again, reiterate, like they are getting better at that stuff. You're winning face-offs this year. You're hanging in there when it comes to shot volume and more specifically quality of shots, because that is ultimately more important. And the Kraken did an okay job in that in today's game. So I think there's reasons to be optimistic. The reasons to think that the Kraken can turn this whole thing around, RJ, unlike my putting game, which is just completely <laughs> hopeless. It'll never get better. Thank God I can drive off the TRJ because I can't putt worth anything. Uh, and that is one reason why, you know, I am excited to go up there, hang out at Flatstick, see everybody, 
but just you know fair bring your driver everybody. it won't be pretty <laughs> yeah i might have to <laughs> see if we could have you just drive one from one side of flat stick to the other just you know see see how long we can uh, we can if get can, that green if i can get it to ping off all the walls just enough rj maybe it'll find its way into the cup out there at the south lake union location where on those kraken game days if you have a ticket to the game you can get 50 percent off games or a dollar off uh, beer after the fact so that's gonna do it for today's uh post game live everybody thank you all so much for joining us on today a saturday and hey look it's you know it's over early we're getting out of here before seven still time maybe go to flat stick have some fun there and uh we'll see you all after that lightning game on monday